0: Alright, good morning everybody. Thanks for being here this morning. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you today. Come on, tell him. So good. Well good to see you guys. I'm excited to jump into the message. Uh, but before that, if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell and I'm lead pastor here at Antioch. And thankful you guys decided to join us this morning. As Larry said, uh, if you are brand new, I see a few new faces, then come say hi after the service, just five minutes or less, right over there or in a little Next Steps area. Bring your little Connect card with you and we'll give you a little gift. But we'd love to shake your hand and say thanks for coming and get to know your name. So stop by. Um, and then let me talk a little bit more about um, this day of prayer and fasting. If you have that little um, card, can you wave it to me real quick? Just show me real quick. I want to make sure you, I know you guys have this. Great. There was another uh, piece of paper like this as front and back. This is like super detailed um, description of where we see fasting in the Bible. And I've said this a few times uh, the last uh, couple of weeks as we've been preparing for this day coming up on Tuesday. You know, there's certain things in the Bible that you just you love to read. You pull out your highlighter and you highlight it. And then there's some things that you wish you had a sharpie. You can just be like, man, that looks hard. I hope I don't have to do that one. Uh, and fasting is one of those things, okay? Um, and we are not a church that sharpies out the things that are uncomfortable just because it's uncomfortable. We want to embrace the things of God because God's there. When we embrace the things of God, he, we will find God. And if you've never fasted before, I totally get it. It's like a dumb idea, <laughs> to not eat food. But, <laughs> in 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 human terms, that's what I mean. God, though, thinks otherwise. He knows that when we empty ourselves before Him and we present ourselves before Him, that we're gonna get filled up with Him. And uh, that's what we're trying to do: is trying to be a people that you know this. Fasting and praying doesn't make us more spiritual, all it does is just helps us present ourselves before the Lord in a more intentional way, to hear His voice, to intercede for things in a focused way. Then The last thing I want to say that is just so helpful for us, like we are fasting, everybody say we, and church is a we, everybody say we again. So even if you're brand new, that's totally fine. I understand that some of you are here checking things out. You may end up somewhere else. That's fine. Some of you may stick around, and this becomes your church family. But we do things. So we are fasting on Tuesday. So if you're part of the we, we're doing something on Tuesday. It's called fasting. And I'm so serious because we live in an America, the hyper individualistic culture, and someone gets offended if you say we're doing something, and there's an expectation that I have to do it too because I'm an I. And so we are we, and we are fasting. Gosh, I'm feeling pretty spicy this morning, I guess. But uh, there, there's, uh, you know, the fact that I'm using fasting as the example is kind of funny because it's just so hardcore. But we um, celebrate baptisms like we did last week. You know, we worship God together. This is so glorious when we do that. We get to sit next to each other and have a relationship you know, we experience life group together. We do things. Does that make sense? And, um, and so we are, are pressing to the Lord. And one additional practical with the we thing is, is doing it together. So that's why we're creating space to pray together. So I highly encourage you guys to come. I know you're not doing anything at 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning except for sleeping. So <laughs> if you feel brave and bold enough to wake up, it's going to really help you. If you are deciding to fast that day, it's really going to help you. Kind of get in the right mindset and um, get you stirred up. We're meeting right up there in the prayer room 6 a.m. on Tuesday, so come join us. And then 6 p.m. here. Also, there's a noon slot, and a lot of you guys are working. But if you do have a lunch break or flexible schedule, come join us at noon as well. All right. Sound good? Okay. You guys ready for the message this morning? Let's actually go ahead and stand on our feet. And I am going to um, lead us in reading our theme verse um, for this series that we've been in the last few weeks. All right? So you guys, let's all read it together. Ready? Go. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Amen. 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 Y'all can take a seat. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is gracious. Lord is gracious. Look at your other neighbor and say, the Lord is gracious to you. Come on, tell him. It's gracious to you. All right, guys. He is so good and so gracious. So we've been in this series. This is uh, the final installment here of this series. The Lord is gracious. And our goal has been very, very simple. And it's simply that we would believe that he is gracious. And that belief in his graciousness would bleed into, like, this is actually what we're experiencing of God Not just on Sundays, but when you wake up tomorrow, when you're at work, when you're going throughout your week, you're experiencing the Lord as a gracious God to you. Let me define graciousness for a second. There's a slide that will come up. This is a definition from a ministry called the Bible Project. It says the definitions of grace and gracious can be connected by the idea that to be gracious is to extend kindness or show delight towards someone who may not be deserving of that treatment. That last little phrase, those that may not be deserving, guess what? All of us fit in that category. And the Lord extends kindness. He shows delight. He he is a gracious God that is full of compassion and full of joy over his children, even when we don't deserve it. And this is huge. This is key. And it's hopefully been a point you've been receiving throughout this whole message. Even when we do not deserve it, when you had a really horrible day, when you did something mean to somebody else, The Lord still looks at you with grace in his eyes, and he wants to bring you close. Because in our brokenness, in our messes, that's when we need the grace of God the most. And we need to know that when when we're looking at him, he's He's looking at us. He's drawing us close with grace in his eyes. And guys, it's been so encouraging on Sunday mornings the last several weeks. So encouraging to see God ministered to you about him being gracious. There's just been so many of you that have come forward for prayer a couple of weeks ago. It felt like all of you came forward for prayer. didn't have enough on our prayer team. So more people kept coming up to pray. And, and just the Lord is touching people, ministering to people, uh, people just up here just weeping, encountering the presence of God that is so encouraging to me. It's so sweet. but But also, like I said a second ago, I want us to experience the graciousness of the Lord tomorrow on Monday as well and by meditating on these truths, by thinking about this, and, and asking the Lord for grace to believe it, like, we will continue to experience Him as gracious, all right? So, let's do this. Before I start, why don't you pray your own little five-second prayer, and I want you to simply, in your own words, just to ask—you can put a little bit of music on, uh, Mason—just uh, your own little prayer, asking the Lord to help you believe <clears throat> how incredibly gracious He is to you, all right? And then I'll get in the message for this morning, okay? Cue the music. All right, go ahead. Close your eyes. Just in your own words, ask the Lord to help you believe it. He is gracious to you. (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you hear our simple requests. And we ask in Jesus' name that we would really believe that you are so gracious to us. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It's gracious to us, guys. So the last few weeks, we've been looking at different stories in the Bible, or in the Gospels in particular, where Jesus is interacting with somebody and being gracious. Because we've established kind of the foundation that if we ever wonder if this is true about God, we can look at the life of Jesus. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature, according to Hebrews chapter 1. And so we look at the life of Jesus, and we see him being gracious to people, and particularly gracious to people in their struggles. So we looked at how he's gracious in our sin. Gracious in our doubt, gracious in our fear, our pain. Last week was gracious in our stresses, and this week we're going to focus in on God being gracious in our insecurity. Everybody say the word insecurity. So the reality is all of us have insecurities, and most of us are willing to acknowledge it, (laughs) all right? But we all do. And the Lord is gracious to us in our insecurity. Let me define this term for you. There's a slide, a couple kind of bullet points up here. You can take pictures of these, or you can write them down in your journal if you want to. But the kind of the dictionary definition of insecurity is uncertainty or anxiety about oneself or a lack of confidence. But, you know, the reality is that our insecurity goes a lot deeper. And so I was meditating on this, and and here's my own kind of definition and a couple applications or implications of our insecurity the underlying so insecurity stems from the underlying ben- belief that you are not enough and it leads to a couple things look what it leads to it leads to feelings of inferiority or being less than others around you in general or in specific topics or areas <clears throat> and it leads to not just feelings but the actions Of Either doing things to prove that you're better than or superior to others around you or the other one hiding (laughs) Some of you uh, I even know a lot of you in this room that hiding one really gets you because you know that sometimes you hide uh, Because you feel insecure to step out and do something or say something and here's the deal The main point again is that the Lord is gracious to you, but it's time to come out of hiding And it's also time to stop trying to, in a sense, one-up people around us. We want to be a people that are free from our insecurities because we're experiencing the Lord's grace. But here's the deal. Like I said, we all have it. We all have some insecurities in different areas in our life, and they stem from uh, things people say about us, experiences that we had in our life, assumptions that we make. And for me, guys, I've got plenty of examples of where insecurities in my life came from. Here's where it started. I was born 10 pounds, 6 ounces. And that was not just baby fat, because I stayed large for multiple years. (laughs) And uh, being called fat growing up makes you feel pretty insecure. And so that was one. My mom, though, tried to soften it. She says, you weren't fat. You were just big boned, you know. Still to this day, I don't understand, but it's what she still says. Um, Other silly things about, you know, right before high school, I didn't make a particular baseball team, and I was sad about that, but I began to feel insecure. I'm a middle child, so grace to all those middle child children out there, some of you understand. But worst of all, I was, I was thinking about what were some things that happened early on in my life that developed a sense of insecurity in me, and I was brought back to good old third or fourth grade, somewhere around there, at recess. How many of you guys remember recess in elementary? All right, some of you do. <clears throat> we were playing a knockout, which if you're familiar with knockout, it's a basketball game where you try to knock out the person in front of you by making a shot. And I liked basketball. Um, And it was third or fourth grade, and it was time for me to get up, and there was this girl right behind me. Her name was Mary Ann, sweet little Mary Ann. So unfortunately, Mary Ann was picked on. Um, She was not fully there mentally. She had a few handicaps, but she decided she wanted to play uh, knockout, and she happened to be right behind me. I take my first shot, hits the rim, goes super far away, and Mary Ann knocks me out. And then ensuing that was so many of my friends making fun of me. I can't believe, Virgil, you got knocked out by Mary Ann. What's wrong with you? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. So I played it cool, of course, and I got mad at them. I said, forget you guys. That was a mistake. I'm going to go play soccer. Uh, That was my response. But the reality is I didn't know exactly what was happening in my third or fourth grade brain. And uh, there's a light show going on behind me. That's fun. <clears throat> but um if I had a, an awareness of God and a relationship with Him, which I didn't at the time, if I had a family that helped me process things with the Lord, then things could have worked out differently, but I did not know what to do with that insecurity. And so you know what we do when we don't know what to do with something really emotional? Stuff it deep down into our soul. And that's exactly what I did. I stuffed this down, deep down, and in a sense, I didn't know it was happening, but it became an insecurity in my life. And I had this resolve that I'm going to prove that that will never happen again. So here, <clears throat> the reason I share this story with you is, you know, you maybe did not lose uh, to Mariana Knockout, all right? But there are things that have happened in every single one of our lives that we don't know exactly what to do with those things. And so inadvertently, we stuff them deep down and they became, become places of insecurity in us. And it leads to this thought that I, this is never gonna happen again or I'm gonna prove that I'm, I'm enough to those around me. But I've got great news for you guys. <clears throat> God doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't want us to stay stuck in the things that we have stuffed and live in our insecurity. God wants to help us. But here's what we must do. We must bring our insecurities before him. It was not until I acknowledged and brought my insecurities before the Lord that I started to see any breakthrough. So if you're in this room, you are a human being, and you have some insecurities. And what we want to do this morning is be honest and real with the Lord, bring those insecurities before him, so that we can find our peace, find our truth, find his grace to lead us out of those insecurities. Anybody besides me want to continue to get free and free and free of your insecurities? Anybody? (laughs) Great. Me too. Here's what the Lord offers on the other side. I'm going to tell you, uh, He wants us to be secure in Him. Okay, let me give you a couple definitions of that. I looked at that word as well, security. Uh, Kind of the dictionary definition means a feeling of safety or being stable and free from fear and anxiety. But really, our security stems from this I thought about it a little bit more, and so it is this, the underlying belief that you are enough simply because God made you and He loves you. That is good news. Look at somebody next to you and say, "God made you and he loves you." Tell them. When we believe that, and because of that, we are enough. When we believe it, here's what it leads to. It leads to feelings of confidence. Peace, joy, and contentment in who you are. And it leads to the actions of doing things in our life simply to obey God and serve others, not to prove anything to anyone. Woo, doesn't that look freeing to anybody? I would love to embrace this as the normal in my life, knowing that because I am created by God and loved by God, I am enough. And because I'm enough, I can feel peaceful, content, and joyful, and confident in who God's created me to be. And as a result, my actions are not stemming from an insecurity to prove myself, but I simply want to obey God and serve others. Woo, that sounds like a great life. (laughs) Now, here's the deal. Again, we need to come to Jesus to find how we can make this our normal. All right? So we're going to do that by looking at the Word of God. You guys got your Bibles this morning? Yeah? If not, it's okay, pull out your phone, there will also be a screen behind me with some verses, but let's look at the book of John here, okay? Everybody turn to the book of John, we're going to start in chapter 1 in just a minute here, but go ahead and turn to the book of John. <clears throat> and as you are turning, what we're about to do is we're going to look at a character in, in Scripture that was s- seemingly struggling with some insecurity, and we're going to pull some truths out of it, and believe that God's going to really help us. Here's the deal, as I was preparing this week, I was thinking, okay, I was thinking long and hard about this. Who in the Bible struggled with insecurity? I was like, this person and that person. And I I found out who? You want to know? Everyone in the Bible, except Jesus, struggled with insecurity. Especially those that God used in a mighty way. In my discovering this week, looking at this topic, I'm like, oh my goodness. Everybody that God used in a big way had a spout or a struggle with some form of insecurity. Do you know what that means? If you're feeling insecure, great news. God will use you in big and mighty ways. And if you're in this room and you've never had a feeling of insecurity in your life because everything you do is awesome all the time and everyone's always told you you're awesome, good news for you, God might still use you. He might. He tends, though, as you look throughout Scripture, to use those that acknowledge their insecurities and come to him and allow a big and mighty God who's enough to work through the people that feel sometimes that they're not enough. So we're in good company this morning. The specific character of those that I chose to look at this morning is a little guy by the name of Peter. Good old Petey boy. We're going to look at Pete, that's what, that's what Jesus called him sometimes. <laughs> you know, there's things in Peter's life where if, if you've ever read the gospel, some of you haven't, that's fine. But if you've read the gospels, there's a few things that, um, that he says or does that you're kind of like, yikes, Peter. Come on, man. You know, but the reality is there are so many things that he said or did that we also say or do or at least think. Peter just happened to say a lot of the things that he was thinking. Uh, we're going to look at Peter. I think we're going to find some good, solid truths to help us experience the grace of the Lord in our insecurity. All right. So the first thing we're going to do is start in um, chapter one. And this is before we see Peter act out in any form of insecurity. But I wanted to read this because. There is a foundation that I believe Jesus is laying in Peter's life from the very beginning before he starts doing a bunch of ministry stuff with Jesus. There is a really important and significant foundation that seems like Jesus was intentional to make in Peter's life. All right? So let's look. If you're at John chapter 1, say I'm there. All right. So we're in John chapter 1, it will also be on the screen. We're going to look at verse 40 and uh, through 42. So this is right after um, John the Baptist exclaimed to a few people like hey that's the lamb of God go follow follow Jesus. Okay verse 40 picks up says one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him we have found the Messiah which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And don't miss this Jesus looked at him looked at Peter and said you are Simon the son of John you shall be called Cephas which means Peter. Let me pause there. might not seem significant yet. He's just (laughs) saying a name, but, but hold on. I want you to think about this. The first interaction that Jesus has, Jesus changes Peter's name to Cephas or Peter. Cephas and Peter in both Aramaic and Greek means rock. Everybody say rock. So in the first encounter that Peter is having with Jesus, Jesus looks at him, singles him out, and you know what he does? He speaks truth and identity over Peter. Now, catch this. This is before Peter acts out in insecurity sometimes. This is before he does anything great. Jesus was intentional to look him in the eyes intently and say, this is who you are. You are a rock. You are a rock. I'm going to build my church, through the life and the example and the message that you preach and send out. I am going to use you mightily, Peter. You are a rock. So here's what we can learn from this, and I'll break it down for a little bit. If we want to have any chance in finding breakthrough and peace and experiencing the Lord's grace in the midst of our insecurities, here's point number one. It'll be on the screen. We must believe what God says about us. We must believe what God says about us. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that probably every single one of us have at least had a few thoughts in our own mind in the first person that were in disagreement with what God thought about us. And so, if we want to experience the Lord's grace to overcome our insecurity, we must believe what God says about us. More so than what others say about us, and more so than what we think about ourselves. I love that Jesus says this on the front end to Peter because he knows Peter's life. He's probably not surprised when Peter acts out later on throughout the Gospels that we're about to look at in John. We'll see a couple of things John, uh, Peter does. But I think it's important because in the midst of when we're acting out in insecurity or when we feel insecure, the Lord wants us to know that we can go back to something that is sure. And that is strong, and that is a foundation, and that is what he says and what he thinks about us, our identity in him. He wants us to be able to go back to that. What also seems significant is this, Jesus is saying this to Peter before Peter messes up at all. Probably one of his biggest epic fails is that Peter denies Jesus. You guys remember that? We're going to look at something that, Jesus, that Peter said. He said he would not going to deny him, but he does. Jesus was right. I... I This takes a minute for me to try to explain, but I'll I'll try my best here. Jesus calls out Peter's identity confidently and securely before Peter messes up, even though Jesus knows he'll mess up. Being secure doesn't mean that we will never mess up. A sign of insecurity is when you get super defensive when someone corrects you or calls you out on something. And then you start to feel very defeated and like a victim and like you're a failure because somebody said you could do something a little bit better. What God says about you and your value in Him is never at stake, even though you will make mistakes sometimes. And then we're going to look at another example in just a second here of why this is true. But I think just the reason I, I wanted to pause and, and comment on that is because I just am noticing in our generation. Who knows the reasons why, and everyone's got their accusations of whose fault it is, but we struggle when we mess up or when we fail because then we all of a sudden feel like it is attached to our identity as I'm a failure because I failed at something. And that just wants, I want to just kind of cut that and say, no, 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 no. I have messed up so many times this week. Okay, let me not just say, oh, the former Mitchell, B.C., before Christ. Uh, Of course. (laughs) But this week, there's been plenty of times where I have come short. But God's conclusion about me is is not that I'm a failure. It's that I'm a human being in need of his grace, and he's willing to walk with me. And the same is true for you. Your value, your worth, your identity is never at stake, even though you will mess up sometimes. You can be secure in that. Now, what helps us believe who God says we are and understand our identity? Really, it's knowing what God says and then speaking what God says and, in a sense, thanking God for what he says. Once you pull out your phone real quick? I know we're in the middle of church in the middle of a sermon. Pull out your phone real quick because there's a resource that has tremendously helped me throughout the years, and it'll be, there's a little QR code on the screen. What this, you can take a picture of it if you're ready. <laughs> if someone older than 40 is sitting next to you, you can help them as well. Just tell them where the photo app is. Anyways, Hey, 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 all right, all right. Uh, Maybe I should have used 50. Sorry, bro. Uh, And so this is a resource called Who I Am in Christ, and it breaks down so many different scriptures all throughout um, uh, the Bible that remind us of what scripture says about us and who we are. And I've printed this out over the years. I've looked at some of these phrases, and I've said them out loud and prayed them over myself, and it's helped me believe the truth of who God says that I am so I encourage you guys to do that. Just, just you, can, you don't need to look at it right now, but just keep it kind of as an open tab on your phone and would encourage you to, to use that. You can also find it on our website later on. But here's one more thing I want to say before I move on to look at a, a couple of Peter's insecure moments here. But another thing that's helped me believe who God says I am and be thankful for who how God made me is by looking at Psalm 139. Let me read this because I... I think it's very important if we want to overcome the insecurities in our life is that we learn to be thankful for how God made us. Psalm 139, 13 to 15 says this. says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So, we are, through this verse, as David is exclaiming this to God, (laughs) we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made by God, and God does not make any mistakes. So, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I specifically, there's a lot of different categories that I could apply to this, but you were made by God. And I want you to think about things like your looks, your height, your voice, your laugh, your personality. those things in your life are fearfully and wonderfully and purposefully and uniquely made by God. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And so when you look at yourself in the mirror and you see things, I would encourage you, if you want to go on this journey of walking in security, is thank the Lord that he fearfully and wonderfully made you. This isn't a, uh, you know, you could go on a pretty bad detour of being obsessed with yourself. That's not what I'm saying, but we're thankful for how God made us. Because he says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if we want to have a chance to experience his grace in the midst of our insecurity, we must believe what he says about us. Amen? All right, look at your neighbor and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Go ahead and tell him. Tell him confidently. It's true. It's so true. And it's so good. It's such great news. Now, later on in that psalm, Psalm 139, at the very end, David's like, Search me and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's kind of repeating that thing that I was saying earlier is because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we can be secure in who we are. I also can be still secure even though there's things that I need God to expose me that are off or things I'm not doing right. Is this making sense? It's like verse 13 through 15 doesn't change even when you get to the very end of Psalm 139, where he says, come on, I've done some things, a, few, a few things wrong, but it doesn't change and make me a failure now. No, I'm still fearfully and wonderfully made. So hopefully you're seeing that. All right, now let's look at a couple of things that um, Peter does throughout the book of John. Go ahead if, you're, if you've got your Bible open, keep turning a few chapters over. We're going to go to John 13 and look at two different things and interactions that Peter has with Jesus, where we see some of maybe of his insecurities coming out. And we're going to learn a few things from this, all right? So John 13, we'll start in verse 5 through 10. This is the story, little excerpt from the story where Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. So let's start in verse 5 of John 13. It says this, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing You do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And here's Peter's brilliant response. You will never wash my feet. Then Jesus answered. He said, if I do not wash you, Peter, you have no share with me. So he starts with, ah, you just almost like a false human. I'm like, you don't need to wash my feet. Then Jesus corrects him says, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Simon Peter says, Lord, okay, well, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. And so he goes from one extreme to the next, and you're kind of like, and then you look at Jesus' response, and he corrects him again. (laughs) He's like, no, 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 no. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. So I I just want you to know I feel for Peter in this moment because he's like, I thought I got it. No, I didn't. Okay, this is right. And Jesus is like, no. <laughs> like you just, you're just not hitting the nail on the head, Peter. All right. And he's swinging from one end of the spectrum of, I, I don't know if I said the word, the phrase, false humility at one time. But then also he's swinging way over here, just being super extreme and radical, just for radical's sake. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Just receive what I want to do for you. And this is a sign, I believe, of Peter kind of operating a little bit in insecurity. Let me look at one more thing, and then I'm going to pull out what I, what I think is maybe happening here. Uh, a couple verses later, verse 36 to 38, another little encounter that Peter has. It says this, And Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. So Peter is exclaiming to Jesus, he's all in, he's making a huge commitment, I'm all yours. And what he was doing with the disciples' feet, just when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, remember the disciples were around him clearly in this moment and Jesus was doing this. And so what I think Peter was struggling. That's the manifestation of Peter's insecurity there was that he was trying to prove himself. He was trying to prove himself to his disciples, or at least amongst the disciples. Like, hey, I, either I'm not going to get the same treatment and you won't wash me, or I'm going to go above and beyond, and I'm going to get washed more by you. Jesus is like, no, don't, you don't need to prove yourself compared to your friends. And then he goes to Jesus and says, no, I'm going to give you everything, Jesus. I'm going to prove myself to you. I'm all in. But he falls short there as well. So here is what we can take away from this. We are free. When we understand who, what God says about us and we are walking in security and confidence, we are free to stop trying to prove ourselves. We are free to stop proving ourselves by our spirituality, by our grades we make, by the things we do, the things we say. We are free to stop trying to prove ourself. Isn't that great? Isn't that freeing? You don't have to prove yourself. You know why? Because you are already enough to God. You are already enough. And God's opinion is the opinion that matters. You don't need to prove yourself. So here's a couple examples. You don't need to be seen by someone when you do something awesome. (laughs) God sees you, and he's pleased. You don't have to make an A in all of your classes to prove that you're smart enough. You (laughs) You don't have to be asked to be a leader in order to add value to a group of people that you're in. You don't have to make every single team you try out for be accepted before every tryout, be hired by every company you interview for. You don't have to be granted a second date or a first date by the girl that you like. You don't have to be proved by the right guy to prove anything. You are already enough to God. Now, does this mean, let me go back to the school example, that we should be lazy and not diligent? absolutely not. Okay, scripture teaches the importance of diligence, but we do not work hard and be diligent to prove our worth and our value to anyone. To God, to ourselves, to those around us. We are already enough. And we are free to stop proving ourselves. Amen? All right, let's flip over to John, the last book, of, uh, last chapter of John. John chapter 21, we're going to look at one more thing here. And then we'll close out the message. So, John 21. Uh, we're going to start in verse 20, but just at this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus has already resurrected. He's appeared to a few of his disciples, and they had a moment with Peter right before what I'm about to read where he, in a sense, is restoring Peter. Peter denied him three times, but Jesus has this really cool conversation with him where three times he asked Peter, Hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And through that, it just, the Lord is restoring that place of love. And just when Peter has this amazing restoring encounter with Jesus, we think he's nailed it down, but he still has a moment of insecurity. Here's what he says, verse 20 through 22. It says, Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Peter, you follow me. See, so what I see Peter doing here in some insecurity is that he was comparing himself. So here's the great news. When we experience the grace of the Lord that helps us on in our insecurities, we are free to stop comparing ourselves. Isn't that great? We are free from that thought or that question of what about that guy or what about that girl or what about that thing or what about this. We are free when we experience the security of God by his grace, we are free to stop comparing ourselves. You are uniquely made by God, and God does not compare you to others. Isn't that great news? He doesn't compare you to others. And what Jesus was saying to Peter here, in a sense, was, Hey, man, it doesn't matter. The calling I have on John's life, in a sense, doesn't matter. The main thing you need to focus on, Peter, is what I have for you. So don't look to the right or to the left. Look at me, and you will find security and confidence. So for us, no matter what job someone else has... No matter how big or small your following is on Instagram compared to others, <laughs> no, how, no matter how many likes you get or don't get when somebody posts something and it's really funny and they get lots of likes and you post something and you, there's not as many likes, no matter if someone gets the job that you want, no matter what else somebody else is doing, we can still be secure and confident because we don't have to compare ourselves to those around us. We can be thankful and content for exactly where God has us. It is purposeful. It is from him, and we can be thankful and secure about it. When we experience his grace, we are free to stop comparing ourselves. Now, one last thing. I kind of want to close it out with a, a story. It's kind of similar to this comparison thing. And um, I don't know about you guys, but p- please be honest. Do you ever get that, I, I kind of call it celebrity syndrome. There are certain people in your life that you kind of view as a celebrity, and if you get it close to them or around them, you start to act really weird. Anybody? <laughs> All right, it's just me. Okay, so apparently, here's my struggles. Pray for me after the service. Uh, sometimes I have felt that, like pretty insecure, like they're so amazing. Oh, my gosh, I really respect them. And here I am, little Mitchell, so I better not say anything because then I'll say something stupid, and then he'll think I'm stupid. Anyways, so there's things that go through our mind, con- uh, consciously or subconsciously, and it's a form of insecurity. But I want to just, I want to tell you some, some breakthrough that the Lord has given me in this area, and it has to do with finding our secure identity in him and not comparing ourselves to others. So it, it was, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was thinking about interactions with, well, I was thinking about me as a leader. That's what I was thinking about. That was the, kind of the biggest topic. And through being a leader, there's different leaders that I get to interact with and get to know. And you know what I love about this is, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but God is really serious about helping the insecure becomes secure, especially those that he uses to lead and uses for big things. So if you, f- again, you feel insecure, that's all right. There might be a, a calling or a knocking on your heart that God wants to use you for big things. <clears throat> and, you know, this this story applies for sure to their journey of planting this church. But, but before this, I was leading a ministry in College Station. And, oh gosh, I shouldn't have said College Station after last night. But anyway, so I, I was leading a ministry, and we were ministering to a bunch of college students and we were growing a lot and it was amazing and there was one point that I just thought was so funny there is another college ministry all the way in Amarillo Texas like 10 hours away and we anybody from Amarillo kind of all right that counts (laughs) yes anywhere in that area of Texas counts it's kind of close to Amarillo all right and um and they came all the way down because they had heard about some really cool things that God was doing with the college ministry I was leading at the time. And we have a meeting set up in a sense where he's trying to learn how do you do college, how do you grow college, how do you, how do, you do this thing? And there is something that had hit me at that point in my leadership journey where I, I just concluded that my goal was not to try to be an amazing, impressive leader. But my goal was simply to love Jesus and love the person in front of me and walk in humility by the grace of God. And I think there might be fruit. And, you know, I kind of would joke about, you know, people would come and hear what's happening and growth and fruit. And they would look at me and be like, wait, you're the one leading this thing? And I remember this dinner or this lunch, and it was a moment kind of like that. the guy came into our house and we start interacting and he's interacting with me and his kind of conclusion is like, he didn't really say this to my face, but it was kind of like, at least at first he was surprised. Like, oh, you're the guy leading this revival thing over here? Wow. And you know, there was something so special about that to me because what I want more than anything, and this is what I invite you guys into, is we do not live for the eyes of man or to be impressive to man. What should motivate us is that is the eyes of the Lord that look on us. And in a sense, though there's better language and verbiage for this, I want to be impressive to the Lord. And what is he impressed by? Again, I could use different language. He, he loves a, a humble and a broken spirit. He loves someone that will take him at his word and believe it. He loves the spirit of humility and brokenness. He loves these things, and not just so that we can look good and big in our own eyes, but that we can be have, have his attention, his eyes on us, and that what drives us. So all that being said, this journey of walking in the Lord, walking in security and confidence, it doesn't start just and doesn't end with just focusing on ourselves to make us believe that we're so amazing. What actually it starts and ends with is focusing on God, how big and glorious and amazing he is, and then believing that because he is that, that I am enough in him. That might take a few minutes to think about, and actually, I'm going to have the band come on up as we close out here. But I sh- I'm going to show you this little graph that I created early on as I kind of get into that example of kind of that celebrity syndrome thing. Here is a couple things. I think we have it. Uh, band, click come on up. So I was journaling one day, and you can put that first one up if you have it, and I was just thinking about, okay, Me, quote-unquote, compared to God, there's a vast, vast, vast difference, all right, in his power and his authority and how amazing he is. But then I would think of different people in my life that I really respected and I felt insecure around, and then I would kind of, if I was honest – I would kind of equate them closer to God and further away from me. One of those guys I was thinking about was Jimmy Seibert. He's a guy who started the Antioch movement. I've interacted with him a few times, and he's definitely one of those people. I'm like, oh, gosh, I really respect you. Gosh, I feel pretty insecure. But in my, I didn't realize I was doing this until I took time to process this with God. But here's initially where I put Jimmy compared to me. This is not necessarily about Jimmy. This is about how less than and inferior and insecure I felt to someone that I respect. That's really what it was about. The Lord gave me some help and some revelation over the years, and I started realizing, like, oh, my gosh. This is actually not about necessarily what I think about myself. It's not really about Jimmy. This is about, honestly, a low view of God. That's what this is. My insecurity is coming from a place that I think that there can be anybody that close <laughs> to God. So as I was processing this, I was like, okay, wait a minute, let me change my little graph. So the third one here, this was my conclusion. I still put Jimmy a few steps ahead of me, but anyways, uh, we were a lot closer (laughs) because I realized like, oh my gosh, God, you are so much bigger than anybody we deem impressive. And all my insecurities are because I believe that people can actually be like that close to you. No, 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 no. If I focus my energy on not just trying to be as good as someone over here, or as secure and confident as somebody over here, but I spend my energy getting revelation of how big you are, glorious you are, holy you are, then it's gonna put everybody else around me in a right perspective, even those I really respect. And somehow, some way, even though this is hard to communicate, it's, it's helping me in this journey of being secure as a child of God, not comparing myself to those around me, not pr- trying to prove myself to anyone. But just simply living as a son of my Father in heaven, knowing he's big, knowing he's glorious, finding my truth, believing what he says about me, and in that place I can be secure as his child. And I believe the Lord just wants to invite us in. He's so gracious if you're struggling with any form of insecurity in your life, in any area of your life, he's so gracious to you. But there's an invitation from him this morning to come and bring those insecurities, lay them down at his feet, and be ministered to by him, and to continue to walk from this day forward in greater security. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to have some of our life completers and staff come forward just to make yourself available to pray for some folks. You guys go ahead and come on down. There's a couple of main things I want us to... Just kind of respond to. If there are some specific things that God's highlighting where you're feeling that place of insecurity, then again, I want to encourage you, just, just bring it forward. Come get prayer from somebody they want to minister to you and pray over you in that place. So that's one thing. Another thing, if you need uh, healing in your body, we love to just make space for that, to pray for people to be healed and minister to this morning. And then lastly, if you're in this room and you know you have not given your life over to Jesus, make today your day. There is a day where every single one of us will stand before the Lord, will give an account of our life, and we want to, our faith and our trust not to be in ourself, but to be in Jesus. Scripture says that God loved the world, that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And those that do not and then reject him are condemned because they have taken on themselves. I'm going to pay for my own sin in some way. We must turn to Jesus and repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in him to experience eternal life. So if that's you this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, we'd love for you to come forward and just pray for one of these people. We'd love to pray for you. Let me pray as we close. If you don't want to come forward, that's fine. We're going to just sing a song. We sang in the initial set, just that, that holy, holy, holy. We're just exalting the greatness of God because when we have a high view of him, it actually helps us be secure in who he's made us to be and stop proving or comparing ourselves to others. So let me pray that over us. And then we'll worship. So, God, here we are this morning. We thank you so much for being here in our midst. God, we thank you so much for your presence. And, Lord, we just ask that you would come and minister to every single one of our hearts. Lord, we need you. Would you touch those places of insecurity? Would you touch these places where we feel weak? And Would you show us that you are a big and mighty God and you can fill those places? Because of how big and great you are, Lord, we are enough in you. So we thank you. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come forward if you guys want some prayer or just worship right where you are.